So we're at uh, Christ Lesson 4 of Establish 101. Um, we are, are um, let's see here. I've got to get to my right page. Uh, you'll notice tonight, I'll explain it here momentarily, but I'll be looking down a little more because I'm actually doing more stuff on paper tonight, and there's a reason behind that. But um, I just want to dive in, I guess, still same as before with our review of our previous lesson. Um, does anybody remember the, the gist of the last lesson last week for those who are here and um, or if you had an opportunity to, to listen online? What was, the, what was the story in our previous lesson? Here, should, should I jog your memory? <laughs> Jesus performing various miracles. Yep. And healing in particular. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I mean, so we have in our title here, you see it, he heals and forgives. But do you remember what sort of the, the hook was tagged to that? What was happening as he was healing and forgiving? say the Pharisees were getting quite upset with him. Yeah. They were, yeah. What? Going what? against the culture. Right. Well, yeah, in one aspect, going against the system, hey? Turning things over. I think turning things over is what they were put. Yeah, exactly. He was going in there, beginning to establish his kingdom. We, we kind of introduced, uh, you know, God's uh, kingdom uh, or the kingdom of heaven. And so here he was disrupting these the cushy lives of the Pharisees and the other religious leaders and turning things upside down as he healed and forgave, uh, you know, healing on the Sabbath, touching dirty people like with leper, a leprosy and um, forgiving sins. Only God can forgive sins. You know, who are you? Um, and so he was turning everything upside down, but he was actually writing things that were wrong, um, that they had become blind by adding their own, their own rules, their, their, putting a burden upon the people, uh, the Pharisees, Sadducees, these different leaders. Um, yeah, good. What, uh, was there anything that you guys kind of heard last week that you've kind of chewed on and this week you've got questions about now that you've had time for it to sort of uh, settle and digest? Well, one thought is uh, Jesus who is... Uh holy and perfect is uh, more gracious than humanity uh, at that time who religious leaders that uh, he showed grace and forgiveness where uh, religious leaders wouldn't yeah. he was more holy than they yeah that's interesting yeah um Anybody else have something, things that they want to add that they've sort of processed through last week? I think one of, one of the things for myself that, again, just being reminded as we walk through Jesus' ministry and revisit that part of history is, um, and even Kevin and I were talking about this on a little bit of a different subject earlier, but just that the, the fully human and the fully God aspect of, you know, he felt compassion, it says uh, in the stories we were reading last week. And, uh, and yet he also forgave sins. And, and so just this, this um, aspect where it's just, it's, it's impossible for our minds to wrap around how he can be 100% God and 100% man, you know, as he walked earth. All the questions that kind of stir in my mind about that, uh, I can't wait to enter heaven and, and ask God some of those if it's of importance still at that time. <laughs> um, yeah, so we also saw last week um, that we can be like a Pharisee, right? Because the Pharisees were, they, they were, they're very proud. They, you know, they, they said, we're descendants of Abraham. We hold the laws of Moses. And, and so that actually blinded them to what Jesus was trying to show. I mean, good grief. He was doing good things on the Sabbath, but no God literally forbids it that you should do that. So they thought that you would heal on the rest day of rest. So he, he revealed their blindness 
And uh, in the process, uh, you know, that could maybe prick us a little bit. Where have we been blind um, on our way to church or what have you? Just, you know, apply it to a scenario where you felt pricked by, by God's spirit for, um, yeah, thinking one thing or another. And then, uh, and, and overall, I mean, not only with the Pharisees, but Jesus really through, through these accounts was exposing the hearts of people, whether they were humble and submissive, like, like the, the one who, who fell on his knees, the leper, you know, if you, if you would, would you heal me? You know, there was humility, submission, recognition, confession, like you can do this, Jesus. Um, so he exposed the heart of him who, who was quick to believe. And he exposed the hearts of the leaders too, who were proud and, and blind and bound in their sin. Um, so where are we going here? Did I just take your part there, Craig, that we sort of said you would do? Yeah, you did, man, but that's okay. You, you, you were going with it, so that's great, <laughs> Well, this, I think this works well. You can, you can explain, Craig, tonight. Um, we're continuing to progress um, how we're delivering established to you guys, foundational learning, um, because what, what Craig and I do with Ethnos isn't just necessarily a package deal, right? It, it's more the methodology of foundational learning. So as you guys continue to give us feedback through our lessons, we are adapting and changing things week to week. And so Craig, Craig's going to just uh, chat with you guys for that, over that a bit uh, before we dive into the story. Does that work, Craig? I, I can I can chat about that. I mean, as we're, we're, I think Brent sent some stuff out earlier this week. A few questions, the passage, and some questions ahead of time, and hopefully you had a chance to to open up the the, the John three passage there. Um, and I, I mean, this, this is a I mean a totally different approach from more more lecture styles. A few questions. What we're going to try and do tonight, and again, this partly why we're doing this is because of the kind of group you are. Uh, as we've been working with you, and uh, you know, I've uh, been been encouraged by by again your interaction and, and what, what you can all bring to this. Is that as adults, we all like to participate and feel like we're contributing something to to a to a lesson, session. There's something about that. And so tonight we're going to take it. I mean, we, we had more discussion last time, more interaction, and tonight we're going to Brent and I are going to try this, where again we're going to work up a few questions to get us started, and then. It's going to be, we're going to sort of shape this lesson together, all of us. So depending on what you, what feedback you give to us and how you feed off of each other a little bit, we're, we're, we're going to sort of learn together in this lesson tonight. I mean, Brent and I have some notes and we have some things to help along with this. Oh, do I ever. <laughs> but I hope we, know, we can have, again, we sort of feed off each other a little bit tonight. And just have, it's, it's a little more conversational about this passage um, if we get stuck, Brent and I will throw some questions in to get us going again, to keep us going. But, um, yeah, again, we're, we're all adults. We're all able to, to join in with this, I think. And we'll see how this goes tonight. So, I mean, the, the passage we're looking at is this this conversation between Jesus and the Pharisee Nicodemus. Um, and as we know, I mean, the Pharisees aren't too happy. I mean, he, he, Judy, I think you said that, you know, they're uh, with what Jesus is doing. Um it's, it's getting them kind of riled up. And at the end of the last lesson, they were talking about they were plotting to kill Jesus. And here we have one of these Pharisees coming to, G, to Jesus to talk to him. So it's an interesting conversation that they have together. So, uh, I mean, tonight, essentially the, the, the main idea is from this is that uh, to see God's kingdom, and that's, that's, that's a phrase that Jesus used there, to see the kingdom, you need to be born again. And so, and we're gonna we want to unpack that together, learn what that is, and we'll see what other truths about who God is, who we are, maybe who our enemy is, the kingdom of God, what the deliverer is is going to do or is it doing. So, yeah, we want to discover some of that t together tonight. So, um, any questions about that before we start? How how we're gonna approach this lesson? Not a question, but this is a good way to do it. <laughs> well, hopefully, as we come to the end, you'll say the same thing. <laughs> so, so Brent, I mean, I guess we, we can open up our, our, our Bibles to John 3. And let's, let's read through the passage together. 
We're gonna go from all the way from one down to twenty-one. Is there somebody who wants to, to read that? Oh, I got the wrong version up here. We could do we could do seven, seven, and seven. <laughs> one 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 cube gets off gets off uh, without a reading. <laughs> what version do you want? <laughs> the be the best one. <laughs> that all depends. <laughs> I was gonna say, okay, Brent. We don't want to get into that topic tonight, Brent. No, that's right. We often teach from NIV or NLT, Judy. Um, NIV is often what we quote. Um, NLT, and I'll start with. Um, I'll start it. Who else wants to read too? I'll read. Okay. Yeah, I can take uh, another third. There we go. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark, one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has has ever gone to heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. So that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light, so that others, so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Great, thank you, guys. So, yeah, something we just just mentioned here as we as you look at this passage, we we ask some questions, but it's always good to look at the context of what has just come before this. And uh, if you look just back at the end of chapter two, we'll see that Jesus is in Jerusalem. Um, this is during the Passover, and he's. He's just done his one of his clearing of the temples, you know, where he's upset all the tables and, and all this kind of stuff. He stirred things up some more with the Pharisees. And I mean, at the end of that, the end of chapter two, it's, it's saying, but people are believing in him. Again, from what he's doing, what he's saying, there are more of the people that are believing in, in who he is. Um, and so that's that's the context. As we move into this next story, we have this Pharisee who's coming in. And now coming to talk to Jesus. So I just wanted to make sure we, we had that as a bit of a background um, before we get into our, our, our discussion. So you want to take it from there, Brad? Yeah, sounds good. So, I mean, if you guys uh, haven't clued in on it yet, the hook is to see God's kingdom, we must be born again. Um, so that's kind of where we're going to be bouncing around with that story of Nicodemus. Um, in the email, I was trying to pull it up here, but actually 
can't seem to find it in my on my iPad. But the email I'd sent you guys, I believe one of the questions I'd asked you guys was um, an initial look at the passage. What what were some of the key words or phrases or ideas that that really stood out to you or you saw uh, repeated? Um, yeah, if you guys took took note of that, I'd just be curious to hear. Yes, your first question was, who is the audience? Oh, there we go. So, <laughs> I didn't say I was going in chronological order. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just going to keep okay. us in line here. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Number two was, what are you seeing? God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and then number three, what words or things stand out to you? So I guess we're starting at number three. <clears throat> <laughs> tell, tell me what you got, Judy. Um, um, <coughs> well, just this, this religious leader, that he's a part of those ones that um, Jesus has been really um, standing up against, and, and they are so jealous of him that they can't see this kingdom, and yet here's this man that wants to know more about Jesus and what's the truth, and and he seeks him out at night. He is afraid, mm-hmm. but he seeks him out and um, just wants to know more about what Jesus is teaching is and and who he really is. Go to him personally. He went went to him personally, not just uh, what he's hearing others say or what's happening that way, but he went and spoke to him personally. So that, that's cool hearing you just say that because I'm hearing, you, you notice that he came to them, came to Jesus at night and... and... I mean, they, that's what they were putting in place. And Jesus, as he's describing how the spirit works, it's like, yeah, it's very different to what, how the Pharisees were functioning at a religious, what they thought was a spiritual level. But what Jesus is describing here is very different from what they were doing on a day-to-day basis and the overall system they put in place well it seemed like they thought they could enter the kingdom based on their works and this is very different it's something that comes it's outside of you that acts upon you i like that you brought that up outside what where have we seen that repetition over and over like so there's been again they should be experts of the old testament what stories would they know of where things were inadequate, but God provided what was adequate? Can you think of some examples? The sacrifices in the temple, the sacrifices of animals, yeah. or the covering right back in Genesis. The, they tried to cover themselves, and God gave them the covering that was acceptable. Yeah, that's a prime yeah. example. Did you have one as well, Brett? Um, God providing the ram uh, in place of Isaac. That's right. Yeah. That's a good one. How about the idea of the ark? That Was that Noah's idea? No. Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, we, we could run a long list on this, but we see a pattern, uh, as Becky touched on, you know, this, this birth was something outside of himself, of Nicodemus. We see God has set this pattern up again and again and again. To contaminate a bottle can't come up with a, 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 an adequate solution. You know, a sinful human cannot be part of the solution. Um, I mean, the only, the only thing that really comes to the table, God, God accepts a, a humble heart, a humble spirit. And... Um, and I mean, we're seeing that displayed here with Nicodemus. Something was cracked there. Something penetrated, and, and he was acknowledging. Do you guys, do you guys remember what sort of humility, as we sort of throw it, threw it up on our posters, consists of? I don't think we have it here tonight on the PowerPoint. Um, uh, I don't think we do. No. There was, there was, a, so there was an acknowledging that God is holy, and that we must be holy too. This is aspects of humility. There is an admitting of, of helplessness, like self-helplessness and sin. There's a rejection of your own way to be holy and a trusting in Jesus as the only deliverer, uh, as the king to deal with your sin um, and your place in Satan. 
So that that's, I mean, Nicodemus, I'm sure it was, he was working through a very limited perspective at this point, but he was beginning that process, it appears, right? Um, yeah, and, and I mean, as you just asked about uh, stories, I mean, Jesus gives a story right here. Uh, he, he just talks about it, you know, if you're not catching some earthly things and how, how you're going to understand spiritual things, but then he, he brings it back to them. He'll have to remind this religious leader of one of the stories of a situation where Israel couldn't do anything on their own to save themselves, help themselves. And what, what was that story here? And how does Jesus take that story a step further than... Again, we're looking at about like 13 following there. I gave you a good clue. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when there was the the plague where they were being bitten by snakes and Moses made a bronze snake and lifted that up and people looked at that and they were um, healed, spared. And that was God's idea, right? It wasn't Moses' idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just looking at a bronze snake in and of itself, if anybody else did that, it's not going to heal somebody, right? Again, it was God, his work, and his way. Um, but then what, what does Jesus, he takes that Old Testament story and he takes it further. Though. He's revealing something new to this Pharisee. Um, making a comparison. What, what, what's Jesus? What's Jesus revealing here? About himself being lifted up. Yeah, Son of Man. That's Jesus being lifted up. And what I see in like both of those, uh, he who believes in him will have eternal life. The same thing happened with the serpent being Moses holding up that serpent. People had to look at it. They had to believe that it would heal them. They had a choice to make. And the same with Jesus, the Son of Man being lifted up on the cross, that uh, we have that choice to look to him and believe that he will save us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you, you just made the tie there, Judy. You, you took the jump there. That was really good. I mean, this is, this is a huge foreshadowing, right? The story of Moses lifting it up, the Son of Man, Jesus being lifted up. We know the cross. But let's just, I just want to hit a temporary little pause here on this specific lesson. This is a specific verse that we used our first or second lesson of Established 101. Can you guys recall that? Um, we, you know, we said that often you bring a, a, someone who is um, either seeking or a young believer straight to the, the Gospel of John. And yes, God, John is a great gospel. There's, there's more depth to be plumbed there than a lifetime could exhaust. But you get to a verse like this, and, and if you have no other, no other uh, reference to go from, you do you, you get puzzled here. But now we've actually come full circle on this, because this goes back to Numbers 21, verses 8 and 9, when that event took place. And now we have context, don't we? I mean, I know a lot of you guys have, have, have walked through the word many a time, and so you know the connection, perhaps. But uh, isn't it exciting to, I mean, you guys have actually completed that circle now. And I think that's, that's pretty commendable. That's pretty cool that we could do that together and, and see, see how that pulls in more. Maybe it's even richer for you guys this time around. I'm not sure. But um, I just wanted to kind of push pause there and just um, acknowledge that. So. Yeah. Yeah. If you didn't have the background of that, of that Old Testament story, you might miss what was really going on here. So, yeah. That's great. And Jesus then goes into, um, again, one of the most famous, famous verses, right? John 3.16. He tells it, he, he gives his Old Testament illustration. He compares it, and he's bringing it to him. Just just like this, Son of Man's going to be lifted up. And for those who believe, they'll have eternal life. And then he goes into... Uh, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And we've heard that a lot of times <laughs> over the years, I'm sure. Um, but what, what, what are some thoughts, some new thoughts you might be having as you think of the whole context of what's going on here in this conversation? 
with Jesus and Nicodemus and the things that Jesus is talking about. Um, aside from just knowing the verse that you've heard before, are there, are there any new thoughts that, that come to mind? Or maybe new insights to this, this passage? Well, I hadn't realized that um, verse 15, so everyone who believes in him will have eternal life like Jesus telling him about himself going to be lifted up and then it repeated it again that he who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting or eternal life yeah yeah and when it's said more than once it it has more of an impact that's right that's right it's repetition and even further down and again there's another i mean it's not quite the same word but the idea that whoever believes in him is not condemned and it's going to the, this this idea of for those who believe eternal life, not condemned. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I, what I really like about this, I mean, Martin Luther called this passage the gospel in a nutshell. Hence, why it's the most quoted, most memorized verse of any probably any Bible verse out there. But I, one thing I I always like is the beginning few words there. For God so loved the world, you know, there's a there's a bit of a belief out there that God didn't love the world and that Jesus had to appease God and convince God to hold back on us, on people. But here we're seeing that God loved the world. That is why he sent his son. It's not just that the son loves us or the son loves those who come to him, who believes in him, um, but God. You know, sometimes people can have, they, some people like the idea of Jesus, but less so the idea of this uh, this this uh, fatherly God who had to be, you know, paid off. But he didn't have to get paid off. In his love, he sent his son. I just wanted to point that out. If any of you guys sort of, you know, prefer one or the other. It's like they both came in love. Um, and on, on to that, with, uh, or at least in the NIV, it says he gave his one and only son. And that kind of references to the, the giving of the best of your flock for a sacrifice that God gave of himself, the very best. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and who is he offering this to, this eternal life? The Pharisees and those born of Abraham. Them only. <laughs> yeah. What's that, Janet? Go ahead. I'll cut you off, Judy. Oh, Everyone. Judy. <laughs> yeah. Those who believe and follow King Jesus, right? <laughs> yeah. Including the Pharisees. Yeah. That's right. So how is this, how is this conversation, I mean, as he's talking in the night here with, with Nicodemus, giving more insight into the kingdom of God. I mean, the, the Bible is developing this further for us here. What are you guys seeing what, as further insights to the kingdom of God in this conversation? Well, to get into the kingdom of God, you have to... Um, accept or follow or believe in God's provision, what he has provided. It's uh, his kingdom and he initiates and provides the way, the only way by which we can enter it uh, mm. through faith and belief. Yeah, because yeah, he's the ruler. That makes sense that he would provide the way, the only way. He's the owner. Yeah. There, there's a soup. I think you're on mute there, Becky. Are you? Are you still my on dog, mute? My dog's making noise, so it's on mute, and I forgot it. Um, I was just gonna say it also depends on the spirit's work, because it says unless you've been born again, and it's the spirit who who accomplishes the rebirth, so it's to enter the kingdom. That's right. Yeah, there's a supernatural, unseen um, thing at play here, right? Not thing, being, the Holy Spirit. 
It, it, they, they talk of it like the wind. Jesus talks of it like the wind. Yeah, exactly. So, so rebirth is supernatural. It's of the spirit. It's like the wind. It's God's kingdom. He's the ruler. He's the owner. He gets to call the shots. It's his rules because he is holy and perfect. Um, he's the designer of everything, the creator of all. And just like the virgin birth of Jesus was by the spirit, which moved him from the heavenly kingdom to living on this earth, spiritual birth moves people from the earthly kingdom into the heavenly spiritual kingdom. Hmm. Well, that's cool. Yeah. About that. Yeah. So as we, yeah, right. you, you, you had you had mentioned a different kingdom earlier on. Uh, that that stands in opposition. Um, right. To God's kingdom, yeah. Satan's kingdom. How do we see? I mean, Jesus isn't ignoring that here in the last part of this passage. Um, what, what, what's, how, how's Jesus describing that here? What's this, this bit of this, this you know this, this battle that, go, that goes on for 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 humanity, people lost in sin. Are you talking about the darkness and the light? Yeah, the last part of the passage here. Yeah, the last part of this section. Yes. Those who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. Mm -hmm. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Yeah. It kind of sheds more light on the Pharisees who were, you know, kind of rebuking Jesus, hey? They didn't want their deeds to be exposed. Jesus was exposing their hearts. They didn't want their deeds exposed because they loved evil. They loved the darkness. Yeah. Which meant... Well, I was just going to say, which meant they were, they were in, in Satan's kingdom. You know, that... It's, you know, sometimes we get this idea, I think, that, you know, Satan... I mean, Satan is one being. He is not omnipresent. Yes, there are demons. But sometimes I think we get this idea that he is, he is right there with the Pharisee. But this is an example on the flip side of a kingdom where they are allowing in their, in their sinfulness, that, that kingdom is ruling in their hearts and lives. So it's, it's, it's dictating in, in their bondage to it, you know, how they, how they go on in life and these rules and this slavery that they continue to heap upon the people as, as religious leaders. Um, and so... That is, is an opposite of, of God's kingdom come, where then he who submits to the authority and rule of God, it's, it's just all the opposite of, of then truth abounds and life abounds and light abounds. Um, yeah, just it, it, it's such a, such a contrast, isn't it, with those verses? I'm curious... <laughs> If you think of how uh, Nicodemus started the conversation, what did he say about uh, Jesus? The Pharisees knew, you know, that he, he was of God or from God and the things that he did. And if you look at the um, verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Mm -hmm. It's like Nicodemus almost essentially was condemning himself or the, essentially the group of Pharisees that, you know, we know you're of God and all these things, and yet they're still plotting to get rid of Jesus and stuff. And here Jesus is just, just calling it out again of, you know, light has come. Jesus, the light of the world, has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light. Everyone who does evil hates the light. Again, Judas, you just read there, and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Uh, I just think it's kind of neat how you start with Demas' words, and then Jesus, Jesus brings a to look into that uh, the light is here and yet you're, you're refusing to, to see it to acknowledge it to believe so mm -hmm. and in verse 18 whoever believes is, you know he's not condemned um, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he's not believed in the name of God's one and only son and this is where we're seeing that word believe 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 come over and over again it's uh not by works, not by your religious rules and laws. So, 
because we talked about the the you know things we're learning of the kingdom of God. What are let's bring in the triune God here. What are we seeing? Let's break it down a little bit. What are you learning about God the Father, Jesus the Deliverer, and the Holy Spirit, the one who causes this rebirth? Let's let's talk about those uh, those questions. What do, what do you, what are we learning about God the Father here? Let's start there. He loved the world so much that he gave his son. Yeah, he he is a loving God, a loving Father. I mean, abundantly generous in that gift. I, I, he gives us what we truly need. At least the opportunity for it. Yeah, yeah offers it. And, and you touched on that one earlier too, Tony, of authority. You know, it's it's his way. You know, it's his kingdom. I can't remember exactly how you said it, but it was around that authority. Cause, you know, because he's the owner. What else do we learn of God the Father here? You guys. He's a God of light, uh, not of darkness, uh, and uh, yeah. Cool. How about how about Jesus the Deliverer? You know, he is still God, but and he's man here in this case, uh, or I should say, not just only, but you know, with Nicodemus, he's fully man as well. What do we see or learn of Jesus here? That's uh, we can continue to add on to what we just said about God the Father. Well, Brian, I said add one thing to God the Father one. Yeah. We, I mean, you mentioned the idea of, of you know, or said he's love and he's gracious, but he's in that in that last part that we just read there. We're also seeing because of his authority, I mean, it's his holiness and his justice that he also is one who's, who is judging. Um, and we we have a sense of that in that last bit of that. And yeah, he's the only one who, who can truly righteously judge us. Um, so again, that's the idea. Right. Condemned verdict. So again, we're we're seeing that, that that truth highlighted again in this. Right. Yeah. No. Thanks yeah, for not missing that. That's that, carry on to Jesus then. Yeah. So what? Yeah. What are we learning about Jesus uh, or the Deliverer? Jesus Himself or His role as a Deliverer, Savior? What are we seeing here? He's going to have to be lifted up. He's going to be yeah. have to lift it up. Yeah. Yeah. Foreshadowing of what's going to come. I mean, we see the completion of that now. I bet Nicodemus was like, what? Or did he even catch that? <laughs> um, he's pretty blunt. Um, but, you know, like uh, we've been reading like, from last week, you know, the, um, the fact that uh, Pharisees were wanting to plot to kill or destroy Jesus. And... Uh, and here, you know, he's talking about evil people, uh, people who love darkness uh, because uh, more than light, because their actions are evil. They hate the light, refuse to go near it, or fear their sins will be exposed. And it's, you know, I, I think this was really hitting home uh, to, uh, he was trying to get home to Nicodemus exactly what exactly what the Pharisees are doing and uh, and he uh, was very blunt about their their hearts that they're evil yeah seems like those those who are quite proud he's very blunt with hey eh? he's not doesn't beat around the bush yeah and with that I think for Nicodemus I wonder if he truly was coming with a, a degree of a humble posture like if he really was wanting to learn and wanting to learn about the kingdom and what God was doing. And if he was taking some of this in, I mean, it might not be clicking with him right away, but I wonder how much is, is, as he walks away, he's going, is Jesus talking about us there? Is that me? And yeah, I, I would hope that a little bit for, for Nicodemus, right? That he's, am I the one who's uh, seeing the light, but rejecting it? Or am I going <laughs> to, so. Some of the things, some of the things I was noting too, with, with Christ or Jesus at this point in time was, I mean, we, we also see authority in him too, do we not? When he says you must, he he's commanding here as, as in his bluntness. So we're we're seeing that his authority is is on par with God. So in that, there's also unity. Yeah. So there's 
we know that he's unified with the Father, God the Father. He's from God. He, he's a unified in authority. God is with him. So we, do, we see like these are other things we're learning of him, but we're also seeing unity in that. And, and he's telling the truth. He says it. I tell you the truth. <laughs> the source of all truth is saying, I'm telling you the truth. The living word is telling the truth. And it, it, I mean, just the fact that he says that, I mean, all he says is truth. So now he's punctuating it, right? Yeah, yeah. and, and it's, he, he's uh, an authority in himself, not supporting someone else. He's saying, I tell you, this is the way it is. That's right. Yeah. 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 He says, we speak of what we know. Um, we anticipate what we have seen. So he's putting authority behind himself and what he says. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we, we didn't really highlight that in wonder, earlier passages, right? Yeah, I wonder what he, uh, or who he was referring to as we, as he talked about uh, himself and his disciples, or himself and the other members of the Trinity. Good question. I don't know, I was, I was wondering if he wasn't, like, Nicodemus comes and says, we know that your teacher has come from God. He's going, we, 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 and Jesus, is, then after that, he's going, you, you, you. So maybe he just kind of, Nicodemus says we, so then he says, but we speak of what we know. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, it, just as I, if you go back to the, just at the end of chapter two, it was, it's referring to this, the idea that there are many that were believing, and that's, that's a phrase that's there. Um, and yeah. so, and I mean that in that we, it could be very much that the, the we are those those who are seeing, and they're believing that mm -hmm. he is he's their God, and he's you know what what they what they really understand about all that, but they were believing, yeah. putting their faith, um, and what they were understanding of, of, of God's provision, God's deliverance from the Messiah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Should we roll on to the Holy Spirit, you guys? Uh... I mean, maybe we've already kind of exhausted that one already, but with the with the water, the wind, um, what what else would you say of him if there's anything else on the tip on the tip of the iceberg on your tongue? <laughs> Mixing metaphors. <laughs> the Holy Spirit gives birth to the spiritual life. Yeah. He's been given that power. Yeah, or that is his power. So actually, we get to see the three and one at this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All three. Yeah. The wind blows wherever it pleases. Um, it's, uh, so the Holy Spirit works as the Holy Spirit pleases. And, and there's some groups that seem to lack a better term feel that they can manipulate the spirit of God to do what they want hmm. yeah if you do the right thing say the right things um, yeah I, I, I can I can I've been in settings like that where it seems like if you yeah, you can, you can control or manipulate the, the spirit, you know. This is reinforcing the very fact that you cannot. It goes where it pleases, as Tony says, yeah. Yeah. How about, how about humanity? What are you guys seeing here of people? Are we the, are we the rulers? Are we calling shots? Or <laughs> what, what would you say of people? What are we learning of mankind or humanity here? In our natural state, we fear being exposed, hmm. just like Adam and Eve feared. Oh. sin. Hmm. Very good. Nice yeah. Connection there. Yeah. Yeah, and and with that, I think encapsulated at that is at the heart of every man is nobody wants to be rejected. Just just to tie that there as well before we bury it <laughs> in the next thing. Yeah. 
And many times when we want to follow the Lord wholeheartedly, other people will reject us because they could see that light might expose something in them. And we have to be careful not to become discouraged in um, that people uh, turn against us because we are following the Lord. Yeah. Good stuff, you guys. Yeah, and that's because in humanity, we love the darkness, right? Our, Our sin. sinful nature. Yeah. So it's there. Anything else you guys want to say? It was one well, word, the part before, for God so loved the world, like that covers everyone, so we're all equal, whereas the Pharisees would have thought they were better than. Yeah, they, they were creating a caste, basically, system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're was, all, go ahead. There's one word that I've, I've seen in this thing. It was calling Nicodemus an undercover believer. And I think sometimes we get to that point too where we, we walk with the Lord, but we're not wanting to be exposed ourselves or be radical or do the things that because of others around us. Mm -hmm. Like we are like Nicodemus ourselves at times too. Well, and he warns us if we're ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of us before the Father. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're I think seeing. He's really pushing Nicodemus to uh, make a decision. Well, what or who are you going to follow? That's right. Uh, and uh, and he's really saying these Pharisees are all about. Uh, appearances, uh, like the, the big leaves, it's all about the look, and the, our look is good enough. Uh, and, uh, and he says, they're a bunch of evil men who uh, I'm here, to, among other things, to expose the, the, the evil in them. You have to make a choice, Nicodemus. It's me or them. Yeah. Uh, and that, that leads to the sort of a, a, a next part here is like, the implications of, of this conversation for Nicodemus, right? I think it's, you're, you're getting at that. It's, I mean, how many times did Jesus say, believe, 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 believe? Um, you know, what are you going to believe, which then affects your actions and what you're going to do? And so, I mean, the implications for Nicodemus were, I think, were exactly what you're describing there. Um, Jesus is being pretty, pretty direct here, and he's putting it to Nicodemus, of, you know, what are you going to believe? Um, what are you going to believe about me? Um, what are you gonna, what's more important to you? Your your status, your position, being comfortable. I mean, Judy, you're right, that idea there too. Of, you know, I can just go along, go with the flow, and everything will be okay. But I know if I choose to follow Jesus, it's gonna it's gonna rock my my personal world if I do that. It could really mess things up for me. Um, again, I don't know what the implications would be, but for Nicodemus, again, the two, because there's only two people talking here. It's Jesus and, and Nicodemus in the immediate story. Nicodemus has those implications for him. Um, what he's going to do. So, yeah. I mean, they're thinking of that when, when we read any story. Sometimes it's the getting that initial, what was the author trying to get at, or what's the story about, what are the implications for those that are in the story? But then for us today, what would be the implications for us of the truths that we're seeing here? We're going to be or to be a follower of God will put you as basically an outcast or an opposition to the those who aren't. Hmm. Yeah, 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 you've taken a stance for the kingdom of reality. God. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, just uh, we we need to humble ourselves, um, and and to walk uh, uh, not on the basis of our self-achievement, what we feel that we've done is good, but uh, wholly rely 
on uh, by faith in what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the essence of that. I mean, Jesus wasn't teaching directly, you know, sort of beyond this conversation for Nicodemus of how we should live. Jesus wasn't telling him what he needed to do. Um, Nicodemus knew there'd be some of those implications of that hardship or persecution or rejection if he did follow Jesus. But um, Tony, what you just described there—I mean, that was the, the first the heart. The first thing for Nicodemus was, "What are you really going to believe? Um, are you going to come God's way, come humbly?" Um, well, I think yeah. I think too within all that, uh, it, it also pits it quite clearly like our theme verse of John ten ten. Some of the implications is that we are we are subjects uh, under a kingdom, one or the other. And John ten ten, we know that the kingdom of Satan purely seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. And here Christ is saying life, that he does not stand condemned anymore. He's come to give us life to the full. And that's, that's an implication that, that we all have. Are we living the life to the full if we are in Christ? Or are we still in the kingdom of Satan? So what is, I mean, we, we, we've uh, highlighted this many times through, but just to sort of clench it for us, what's the key action or idea that Jesus is presenting to Nicodemus and, and, and to us in these passages as, as they've been handed down now to us? What is the key action or idea presented by Jesus? You must be born again of the Spirit. Yeah. The Spirit. Yeah. Be born again. Believe I am who I say I am. Right. Give up that um, the idea that you can uh, find acceptance with God by your own uh, law keeping uh, traditions uh, and uh, and agenda. Uh, give up on it and, and look look to me. Right. To Christ. The Pharisees had this long list of rules that they tacked on to the Ten Commandments, and here Jesus is saying just. Believe. Believe in me. The one Son of the God the Father. So as we as we want to contrast this lesson tonight with, with our culture and, and maybe even beliefs that we hold that God is working to sanctify us through now yet, um, we could ask ourselves, why do some people reject the idea that you must be born again of the Spirit, believing in the saving work of Jesus alone to have eternal life? Why? Why is that rejected um, by many people around us today? For some people, it seems too easy. Like they feel they must have to do something. Yeah. For, for most people, they have to swallow their pride. Uh, you know, to admit that they're helpless sinners, uh, incapable of doing anything. To find acceptance with God, it's a terribly humbling, and, uh, and 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 some just, yeah, we we just have this thought that, uh, especially, well, maybe not just just men. I was about to say especially us men, but maybe that's not true. But we feel that, you know, if you want something good, you you have to work for it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there's always this this me component, this little 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 God component. Yeah, I mean, in some some I think back it up even farther beyond the needing even to swallowing pride. I mean, I do think that is for a lot of people, but there's also this idea of like, what well, I don't believe in this economy, you know, this this Christian economy of I I need a, I have a debt and I need forgiveness, and this is the one that I'm told who can forgive me, you know, like the rest of the Pharisees, I'm good. I'm good how I am. Yeah. You know, the idea of eternal life or you know, life after death and people reject those things. So why, why do I need to believe this? It is fascinating to think, as you say, eternal life there, Craig, that um, it says in the scriptures that he has written eternity on their hearts. How, how do you guys think that plays in here with those who even reject the, the born again part? Is eternity written on all man, all people's hearts? Or some. I would say it's 
on all just from different things I've I guess this is going out to more books and stuff, hearing about atheists that they're, or they will admit that they're still afraid to die when it comes to them to die. Yeah, when they can't deny it anymore, cancer strikes or something, and they're on their last sort of number days more that they're aware of it. Yeah. It's, it's knowledge that people suppress, I think. And that's what Roman says, yeah. Think about it. Yeah. If they can busy themselves and life is comfortable enough. I mean, it's a truth that God has written eternity on humanity's heart. There's actually a story I'd heard years ago in, when, when Jody and I were in Australia that there was this man who, who was, went to prison. He was homeless, but he went to prison for some years, was, was born again in prison, became a believer. And when he went out, he, he continued to choose to live on the streets, but this time with a message to share. And he actually wrote, he, he, he hung very heavily on that verse that God wrote the eternity, eternity on their hearts. And he wrote eternity. I can't remember what they had said, but it was an absurd number. He wrote with chalk the word eternal or eternity all throughout Sydney. It was some ten thousands of times. And, and uh, supposedly, just through that, he, he had led many people to the Lord as that sparked a, a conversation or that sparked a beginning relationship with people because it, it pricked on the, on the mind. Imagine eternity. Imagine eternity where, where there is goodness there's not pain there's not sadness there's not sickness all these things caused by sin imagine eternity like that you know everybody has that 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 thirst that hunger to know that to hear that to imagine it um and that's another one of the one of the foundational truths about god's kingdom as well you know this this, this eternal kingdom yeah not always, has, always will be and he's inviting us to be part of it yeah i think we need to make up some eternity t-shirts That'd be awesome. I would wear it. I would wear it. Who's a who's a t-shirt designer? <laughs> um, I mean, tonight we're seeing as as, I, as we put some of these contrast questions out there. Uh, I mean, as we accept God's word as authoritative, as Christ as being authoritative, as God being authoritative, He is God. Jesus, God's Son, is is the living Word, as it says in John one. Um, it's saying you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. And so anything that pushes against it, that it's too easy, you know, that you you need to swallow your pride and they want don't want to do that. I mean, we can see that, that Jesus is making it very clear. It's believe. There is a submitting, a, a humbling. Um, we don't bring anything to the table. It is by the Spirit that this happens. Um, and, and as we work through our earlier lessons, it's nothing that we, we bring by good works, good deeds, amount of giving, amount of, church attendance or what have you and hopefully that makes us rest <laughs> it, it, it is God's grace his good gift to us is it not mm-hmm. um, we, we, we have this last last slide here of the kingdom of God just just to remind us again just kind of running from from the start of Genesis 1 basically through to now um, our first birth in Adam it says there placed us in Satan's kingdom uh, God, when he cast Satan down to the earth, um, gave him the earth as his kingdom. Um, he's still on a leash, so to speak, by God, but, but Satan does rule over us, uh, rule over those who are sinners. And that, as we read in John 10, 10, leads to sin and death. Uh, however, in, in Genesis 3, God promises to send a deliverer, that he would crush that, uh, Satan's head and rescue mankind, humanity, from Satan's kingdom. And, and here in the Gospels, we're seeing that, you know, the Deliverer is God himself. It's, it, it's Jesus, Emmanuel, in the flesh. So Jesus is that Deliverer who, who, will, who did descend from King David, as prophesied over, uh, about. He will reign forever. That's the eternal kingdom over those he rescues. And then King Jesus will begin to reign over his followers in this life and for all of eternity in heaven. That's the spectrum of God's kingdom uh, it's not just once you're in heaven. That's not that's not the only place that his kingdom is, but it, it starts the moment a person believes. This is the kingdom of God. And just to kind of be the capstone here, John chapter 3, verse 3. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can come, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again.
Do you guys have more you want to want to say there, or? Um... Well, I want to sincerely thank you, Brent, and you, uh, Craig, and uh, some of your. Um, Rock of term forebearers uh, of uh, Bible teaching in uh, John Cross and uh, Trevor, Trevor McElwain um, in that about 23 or 24 years ago was the first time uh, and this was after uh, becoming a, a believer at the age of 16 and uh, you know going through Sunday school pretty uh, as a child, um, going a number of years of Bible camps, different Bible camps, uh, three years of uh, Bible college, although there was a transfer from one school to the other, and in that transfer, there may have been a gap that I missed some things. Um, became a, a missionary with uh, NCEM, and the first time that I had a chance to go uh, and read through and study John 3 like this was uh, in preparing to teach uh, a lesson from the Creation to Christ material. And, and I remember being well, a mix of emotions, you know, uh, thankful, but at the same time quite upset uh, with... Um, for lack of a better term, uh, much of North American Christianity, which focuses on um, you know, this uh, kind of proof text Christianity, where you, you have John three sixteen and and you know uh, and the different other uh, uh, verses, but individual verses spread out through John, and then the Romans road. And, but not really ever teaching what those verses mean in, in the context. And, and I think just so many people have been robbed of uh, the rich meaning of, of these important texts because they've never studied them in their context. And, and I just, just want to yeah, just uh, express how grateful I am for uh, all the work that... Uh, ethnos and new tribes before before has put into this type of teaching mm. thanks i mean even myself honestly going through it teaching you know learning it in mission school but now teaching it now for a couple of years is uh it's bolstered yeah. my growth and understanding abundant life um so yeah, even 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 being a you know a teacher of the material, it's like as you all know, when you teach something, how much more you grow, and so it, it's uh, it's quite enjoyable to to teach it and and gain a lot of benefit myself from that too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and hopefully again, even tonight. I mean, if if you caught some of this, is that there are things that you've been bringing up as as a as a group that Brent and I hadn't thought of, you know, verses that you've mentioned or insights or connections between something from the Old Testament and New Testament. And I think part of the part of the blessing of, again, the body of Christ, for those that are best believers, is that we can, we can learn together and uh, help each other to grow and to learn. Um, and that's, I think, yeah, that's a continual thing to do. So, mm -hmm. yeah, again, it's, it's a blessing to be part of a group like this. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I'll leave you guys with one one question that you don't need to answer. But uh, just to be pondering and praying over as we as we part ways, what are you guys going to think about this week? What are you guys, you know, pertaining to this lesson? What are you guys going to wrestle with, and what are you going to apply? Uh, we don't want to we don't want to be the same tomorrow as we were today in our walk with God. So, well, I think in Brent, you said to end it. I mean, there's. Um... If you were, if you were in, a, in a setting where maybe there was someone who was, who was seeking, who didn't know the truth, I mean, there's that question of, you know, what are you going to believe and what's of more value, what's, you know, that kind of stuff that you can end with. Um, I think, Judy, I think you read that at the end of, of 21 just a few minutes ago, and that's for us, you know, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light mm -hmm. so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. And I think it's part of the testimony of it's 
people seeing God in us, the new life that we have, it's part of what's going to draw others, hopefully, going to be our neighbors or people that we work with. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially first in the challenge times. to what do you believe? Do you believe? Now, if you do believe, what are you, you going to do with this? So, yeah. Yeah. Particularly in these times, these strange times. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of going off of like it's been mentioned a few times, just the idea like the, the call Nicodemus was, was one of a challenge in, in a way. It was that idea of like, what is it do you believe? Um, how, how far are you going to take this? How much do you believe? It's one of those ideas of, oh, you're going to believe part of it and kind of run with it where it suits you, or are you going to go fully with it? And it's interesting because uh, one point in time I was asked, like, you know, John 3, 16. And I was like, oh, yeah. And, so you, and you recite it because every good Christian knows John 3, 16. <laughs> and, then, and then the next question follow-up was, do you know First John 3, 16? And I was like, nope, can't say I do. <laughs> and, and, and so I went and looked it up. And it's just that idea that he always pairs the two together. And First John 3, 16 says, by this we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay our lives down for our brothers. And so it's just that idea. It's like they, they need to be paired. And often the first John or the John 3.16 can be taken as very lightly, especially out of context. Uh, whereas with Nicodemus, it was anything but a light statement. And so if you can, you can pair it with the, well, all of scripture, but first uh, John 3.16 is just an easy one to remember because the reference is basically identical. And you just have that idea. This is love that he laid down his life. Now go and do likewise. Did you just read First John three sixteen? Can I? No, no, no. Said, so did you read it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just bugging you. Because <laughs> you, you said you had the other one memorized, but the other one not yet. <laughs> yeah, no, come on. <laughs> That's all good. Well, guys, I hope you guys, I hope this was enjoyable to, to have it more, again, more interactive and, um, yeah, fun to do. I felt like, uh, yeah, I mean, well, here we are. It's a little bit of a shorter evening, but uh, I think it, uh, it was enjoyable for me to hear you guys' response and, and grow together. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah.